This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, an unofficial podcast for Leader Games Root. Episode 263, Root, the Marauder Expansion, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Music by Brian Capillis. Tone does not fit with that old, chill, nice, casual, fun oh, little yeah. root vibe we got. You came in hot, and that right. th- everyone had, was like close to falling asleep, was like really mellowing yeah. out. And oh, and that's what we want, Matt, in there. at the beginning of a Space Cats episode. <laughs> everyone to be all sleepy, because it's sleepy time. Tuck yourself into bed. We're just talking about... The stupid little strategy board We're game. going to ingest your brain with strategy while you sleep, maximizing yeah. your full potential yes. as an intelligent gamer. We are here to improve all gamers, even while they sleep. Come yeah. here to become an expert level at all things. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you sleep while listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles, you wake up and you're better at the game. Yes. Even if you didn't hear it. Like learning a language while you sleep. <laughs> learning the strategy while you sleep. This is as important as learning a language. You know what I mean? You can put this on your resume. I'm fluent in route up uh-huh. to the Marauder expansion. Um, I want to be... I want to address this. So, hey, guess what? We we still have our root theme. We Yay! remember it. We still have it. All right. We didn't lose it. Yeah. We weren't like sure. Not like we weren't like, oh, where's the file? I don't know. Did we lose that? No. <laughs> we we have it. We always did have it. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, we are back to talk about a game that is not Twilight Imperium. Boo! What? How is oh, that possible? No! We're in trouble. <laughs> They're mad. Everyone's mad. Um. No, we just haven't talked about Root in a long time, and yeah. there's a new expansion out, and we thought we would talk about it for an episode, yeah. and you know, take a break from TI for just that. We're just setting TI down for a week, yeah, just to fill you in. Here's on the some reality. Root stuff. Here's the other reality. We have two podcasts, Hunter and I, and in in the last week, you've had like nine hours of content. Okay. Of deep, Not enough. rich content. Not enough. Not enough. Today is a nice, fun, uh, glancing, casual look at Root Marauder. Root the Marauder expansion. Uh, yeah. We do intend to, I mean, we've done strategy guides for all the other factions. I would love to do one for the the rats and the badgers, which are the new additions to this faction. Those are things that will come later. But I will also take this opportunity to drop a shout out to our beloved friends, Kyle, Sam, Jake, over at Woodland War Machine. If you're thirsty for root content, you better be listening to their show. But they're also they've got you covered. They are way better at this game than we have ever been and will ever be. Uh, So you know when we get to our strategy stuff, it'll be interesting. It'll be for all of you TI people that are kind of looking over at root, thinking that sure is mighty interesting. But if you need to dig deep, please go listen to Woodland War Machine. Please go check out our dear friends. Uh, I will say too though. They're on hiatus right now, so if you're thirsty and you've you de- you've delved into all of it, well, here we are to try to pick the ball back up a little bit. So yep. we're going to talk about Marauders today. 
I think of this episode as kind of let's talk about what all is in our Marauders. But I'm also thinking about like, what does Root even look like right now? Yeah. In 2022, going on 2023, mm-hmm. we, it has been a long time since this show really like delved into what Root is, and it's yeah. a big, it's a different game <laughs> than when we started, when we back in the day said, we want to do a game number two, and then we did, uh, we did Dune, and then we moved out of the way, and we did Root as our game number two, and it was the only game yeah. number two, uh, the game is way different than it was back then, and, and I want to just sort of like set the stage for everyone who's maybe newly interested in root or or wants to check it out for the first time i want you to know what that means these days yeah yeah it's so it's so if you think about where root is now and compare it with when you know just the base game was out or just the base game and the um river was the first river folk expansion you if you think about where it was at then and you compare that with now it is so much fuller yeah the experience and there's so many options of how to play Root yeah. now that I feel like it's it's finally gotten to that place where, you know, it was intimidating from the beginning a little bit because it was like, oh, Root is a game where each faction plays radically differently. So yeah. now I have to learn the game four times or right. six times or eight times. How many times I got to learn this game? <laughs> uh, but now it's on a whole nother level. Now you can just kind of bury yourself i yeah. feel like in root which i think you know for fans of this show you might be interested in completely enveloping yourself inside yeah. a uh, just just a single game yeah um and i would say root is now far and away on that level of just like being able to play it so many different ways um and really just kind of chew on it for a long it's real meaty now it's a very meaty cut this game yes yeah um another weird thing to get out of the way hunter and i aren't uh journalists and you may have for the last like two years heard ads for leader games on this podcast and that's going to be true in this episode as well I just want you to know, like, we're also huge, genuine fans of this game, and that's why we're doing this episode. Like, I want to get, I don't know, I want to get that out of the way if people are, think it's weird that we're doing this, like, non-strategy guide, like, kind of smaller episode. It's it's almost partly for me. I've been out of the root game for so long. I'm using yeah. this as a catch-up mechanic myself for a game I'm really wanting to get back into. So that's sort of yeah. my headspace on all of this is like, I love this game and I miss the heck out of it because I have not been bringing it to the table nearly as much. Uh, I played in Garrick Samples Games tournament, the winter tournament last year. I got mm-hmm. smoked, which I knew I would because I was not up to snuff. But even in just playing that, I was like, whoa, Root people have all gotten way better at Root, like way, way, way better at Root. There are a lot mm-hmm. of people crazy good at Root. And yeah, it's time to sink my teeth back into that. So yeah, let's let's talk about the Marauder expansion and what all is in it and how the game has changed, what the scope of Root looks like these days. What do you say? Yeah, I say, why not? <laughs> I say, oh, 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 yeah, you know what? Sure. I, I like, I, Matt, I love when you bring this energy to the show, this kind of illusion that maybe we've just shown up here with no real plan. What do you and say, just, Hunter? Take my hand. 
as if we just turn the microphones on uh -huh. and we're just kind of in a real folksy way. Yeah. We're just like, you know what? Yeah. That does sound like a good idea. The, I the guess waiter comes up the to the table and we say, I don't know. What do you like here? What 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 should we have? And the waiter says, oh, yeah. I mean, the, the croquembouche is pretty good. And we go, I, I, you know what? I'll try it. I'd yeah. love to try it. Ooh, I'd love to try it too. Yeah. So we'll, <laughs> we'll try it. We're going to take a sampling of this new expansion. Um, JK, we've already done yeah, that. Yeah, we played. We, we, played. Uh, we played it. We played it <laughs> a lot, actually. I mean, we haven't played it a lot compared to the, the hardcore people. Yeah. And in fact, the hardcore people are excused from class. You don't need to listen to the, <laughs> the stuff we're going to say, to be honest, to be frank. Well, no, here's the thing is the hardcore people will li listen to and watch any and all root content, no matter how basic, because oh, yeah, then yeah, they yeah. come in and they counsel us. The, the, the diehards will tell us, well, you guys said this about it. It's not quite that. It's actually this. And we'll be like, oh, my gosh, thank you for schooling us. We needed this for our own education on root marauder. I love it. I love it. So, so for those, there, there's, there's three types of listeners. Uh -huh. There's new to root, in which case this is all information, and uh -huh. it's 100% correct, by the yeah. way. Um, there's lapsed root likers, yeah. Which um, it's we're just gonna try. We're trying to get you back. We're trying to give you a little taste. Get, get you see if you're interested again. Yep. And then there's the people that never left root and have been just in it the whole time. And uh, if you people want, uh, you could rip us to shreds. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, there's three different ways to listen. We you know like what I mean? It. There's the one where we're right about everything. There's the one where we're sort of right. And there's the one where we're completely wrong. Uh -huh. And no matter what, you're having an experience right now. <laughs> so, uh, Root Marauder, first and foremost, as basically at this point all Root expansions do, Root introduces two new factions. That's the, th that's the reason we show up to the market for these root expansions is the the new factions that that come with it uh and this one starts with the lord of the hundreds kind of i would say the focus i mean these are the marauders right i yeah. don't the other yeah. faction is not very maraudy to me uh in in oh, aesthetic okay. yeah that's that's these hmm. this is the namesake you could call these the marauders these are the lords of the hundreds these are the rats they're red it's the red meeples and uh they are first and foremost some of my favorite new art in the game because yeah. uh, the Lord of the Hundreds come with a set of what are called mood cards. Your yep. rats are all of a shared mood, or I guess the lead, you have a leader, you have a warlord. The leader. Your yeah, warlord the leader has, a mood. has a mood. And so you get a lot of very expressive art in those cards of what, <laughs> what, the, the, how to interpret that mood, which instantly lends itself to the playing experience of like, mm, we're feeling a bit stubborn today, aren't we? <laughs> It's it's very good rat art and and take it from me, New York City Hunter, <laughs> basically kind of a rat expert. I don't know if you're familiar with the New York rat, but uh, it is a delicacy. Uh, a delicacy. That sounds like Whoa. we're eating the rats. <laughs> don't do that. We're not. No, 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 no. We're, we're not eating the rats out here. Who would do that? No one would do that. Um, in fact, how could you? They're so cute and uh -huh. sweet. Yeah. And every time you're out. It, you know, walking around New York City in the dark, one of them will just hop out and be like, hello. And you'll be like, hello, buddy. And I'm it'll run across at your, all. Oh, it'll run across your feet and you'll be like, yay. And everyone's <laughs> dancing and everyone's dancing. Um, but yeah, really great. Big looking rat guy. Lord yeah. of the hundreds. Uh, essentially, uh, the type of faction that has a lot of board presence. Yes. Now, there's kind of this unique 
thing happening with them, which is that they're sort of um, building up all over the board. And the fact that they have this kind of leader that uh, gets to make more choices and make more moves and take more actions. Yeah. Uh, while on top of that, the the little guys can still do that as well. But it's more important what the leader is going to do more so than, uh, than what yeah. the little guys are capable of. Right. They are a, I would say, a major factor on the board in every game I've played, uh, especially like, you know, when you're newer. The thing about the Lord of the Hundreds to me is of these two, they are significantly easier to grasp, quicker to learn. There's a lot of text on their board, so you have to like sit there and read for a while. But like everything sort of immediately clicks, which is just like attack and then move forward and then attack and move forward and just you, you just keep doing that uh, your whole yeah. goal is to raise the all of the clearings to the ground you want to be the only person who exists in as many clearings as possible you score more yeah. points based on clearings you are alone in so you're trying to wipe out everything in part through raw war but also you have uh, this mechanic of actual like fire tokens they're called mobs and at the start of your turn they can raise a clearing to the ground and literally kill everything in it i mean it's it's like a bomb every single round uh is accessible to you if the players don't do anything about it so to me the lord of the hundreds are this like obvious clock on the game um maybe more so than a lot of other factions at least in the games i've played like we are first and foremost looking at the lord of the hundreds and how much steam they are acquiring to just like completely steamroll the table um, I, right. I've spent most of my games quite afraid of them, and in games where I was playing as them, I kind of felt on easy street in terms of just like how much I was able to accomplish. So mm -hmm. I think in the beginner games, this is a, a really easy one to pick up uh, and maybe even feel as overpowered until you get used to like what is the way to set this faction back a peg. Yeah, I honestly feel like... Um, so uh, both of the factions... Both of the new factions have this aspect of like, like I think they kind of ex they're both kind of explosive. Yeah. Um, the Lord of the Hundreds is I think the easier to play of the two. Yeah. Um, they both take some getting used to as far For as sure. playing against them. Yeah. Um, I would say they both like kind of go from feeling like okay, yeah, yeah, they're, they're over there doing their thing to like, oh my god, this is a huge problem. <laughs> and and with, you know with Root, it's always about recognizing when this is about to become a problem and yeah. stopping it before you get to that point. Mm -hmm. um, so like Lord of the Hundreds of the two uh, is a little more you look at their board presence and you're like, this is about to get really bad. Yeah. Um, and then hopefully you do something about it or you try and stop them from even getting to that point whatsoever. Right. Um, but yeah, they, they burn everything. They burn everything to the ground. That's yeah. their theme. And that is literally what they do within the old board game right. itself. Uh, the other great thing about them is finally we have a new mechanic that interacts with items. The stuff the Vagabond yes. is going around collecting for their stuff. Everyone else is just using items as just like a thing to craft for points. But of course... Uh, the the Lord of the Hundreds is also collecting items on their sheet, which gets in the way of the Vagabond. We'll talk more about this later, but actually the Vagabond has gone through some like major decline at this stage. Uh, if you watched like our tournament yeah, a long time ago, the Vagabond was just this thing just destroying all metas, right? If the Vagabond was in the game, that was what we talked about, was the Vagabond. And a right. lot of that has been set back a peg, and Marauder, or the, the Lord of the Hundreds are one of those things, because we get to lessen the supply of what the Vagabond has access to, because... Yeah. 
their mechanic is essentially the horde and you have all these moods but as you collect items you gain access to more actions uh, but each item takes away one of your moods, which is an effect taking away one of your like free passive abilities or whatever. So as you get stronger in your action economy, you are actually acquiring less and less total ability strength uh, within your faction. So there is kind of an interesting push and pull, although so far what I've seen is getting more stuff in the horde is always better. It's fine to play without some of your mood cards. Uh, you, you want you want the action economy, but you it does it comes at a cost, basically. But it's right. fun to see the Vagabond taken down a little bit, and I'm just happy to see more stuff. I, I like it when a root faction is introduced and it interacts with something in, an, in a holistically new way. So having items exist under a different context uh is is great to me yeah it's uh it's very fun faction to play very fun faction to play against um yeah i would say like just the fact that they're out there removing items is like so messed up for the vagabond if you think about <laughs> if, if you if you played a lot of root but have not delved into this expansion whatsoever at this point um, you're going to remember that every time you play Vagabond, what? The first thing you do is you explore all the ruins. Right. And now there's someone else being like, man, I'm, I'm going to get that stuff too, though. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> and, and now suddenly it's a race. And it's a race that, what? You're probably not going to win because yeah. you're just one you're just one little meeple. Yeah. And the Lord of the Hundreds is a lot more yeah. than one. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Pretty wild. Uh, um, very interesting. Similar to the Vagabond 2, I, I, I wonder what your advice, Hunter, would be to people playing against the Lord of the Hundreds in a first game. My advice is similar to Vagabond, which is always punch the Vagabond. Punch the Warlord. Actually do something about that little guy, because he's a sneaky devil, and uh, that is, I feel like you're, one of your main ways of keeping the Lord of the Hundreds in check is like, I mean, the war... the they could rebound really quickly. Like they, they can get their warlord back relatively mm -hmm. quickly, but it still sets them back. And I have found that to be sort of the main, the biggest thing is you don't want the warlord to get to a point where it is at a critical mass where there's like a right. million other warriors protecting it. So it's sort of right. like, you just have to constantly keep it in check. You don't want it to have like more than four warriors with it at any time. Yeah. I would say, um, so there are strongholds as well. Is yeah. Like the, uh, um, that's true. The, the the building token yeah and i would probably focus on trying to destroy those if at all possible yeah there are six strongholds that so they will get placed um you Spread know pretty out. liberally across the, the board um and that's also where uh new new rats will be spawning uh at the various strongholds yeah so i'd say removing those at least helps with the um you know the overall number of rats you're having yeah. to deal with which is good um, but to be honest, I don't really know what you're supposed to, like, what the most effective way is yeah. to deal with the Lord of the Hundreds right. at this point. Yeah, I mean, the I'm vibe at, I got. I'm a handful of games in. Yeah, basically. sure. But I, I kind of agree where, where the vibe I was getting, like I said, they sort of put a timer on the game. There's sort of a clock. So it did feel like, in, to a certain extent, in Lord of the Hundreds games, there was a certain level of, actually, we're turning this one into a foot race. Uh, maybe yeah. we'll do some stuff to Lord of the Hundreds early to just try to keep them in check. But the second they start to get rolling, it's really hard to slow that down. So I would be very curious to hear what all the expert players are saying at this point. Um, so please, you know, we do errata on the show. I'd love to hear feedback. We're not you know, giving sharp strategy advice in this one, but I, I'm still just curious to get the discussion rolling on like, what are the main ways to slow these things down? Um, because we can start talking about that. The, the second faction, uh, because I think they're a lot more obvious to play 
against than they are to play as. The Keepers in Iron are our Badgers, and they are like an exiled uh, class of people seeking out these relics. So the other thing we've done now is we've put tokens in the forests, not in the clearing. Their setup is like actually quite complicated, I find. Like deciding where these relic tokens are specifically supposed to go, like what, what equals a valid forest and what doesn't. Uh, is something that my brain trips up on every single time I set them up. And this is another one where there's quite a bit of text on the sheet uh, and a lot going on. But the gist is you are fairly slowly going through the the woodland. It's kind of slow for you to move around. And you have these very critically important way stations uh, that you kind of place. There's only three of them. There, it's it's similar to like a Woodland Alliance base, right? There's not gonna. You may not get all three of them down at all. You might hang out with one of them for a while or something. Uh, eventually, you'll need all three though, because those way stations are used to collect relics and bring them back to the way stations, and that's like your huge bloated scoring potential. Uh, people right. will note you can get like beyond thirty points just in relics alone. Like if you got all of the relics you would you would get way past 30 points it's like insane how many total value of points is available there meanwhile you can be doing other stuff but the the goal is not really to get every single relic you're lucky if you'll get a handful of them because the table should really 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 have no interest right. in you doing this <laughs> well and what's sad about that is that they have that whenever they have a relic um with them uh, they get to ignore the first hit that they take mm-hmm. in battle so it makes them very good at just kind of soaking damage um, if the Lord of the Hundreds is about just having lots of units everywhere, um, and then being just kind of like I'm, I'm throwing down lots of, lots of uh, meeples and lots of cardboard. The Lord of the Hundreds is like, listen, we've got our badgers and we have plenty, but um, it's, it's mostly about them soaking damage and just being like, well, you don't even really want to attack us, yeah. when we have a relic or whatever. Right. Um, but they will have to figure it out because the thing about your the, the thing I like about the Keepers and Iron is that their point total or their point uh, potential is like way more visible than yeah. your standard root faction. A lot right. of root factions have like a tempo that is very hard to get to know um, if you're not super familiar, but you can see it happen right. with the Keepers and Iron. And their their tempo gets pretty, it starts going really fast towards right. the end. So you do have to like kind of interrupt their stuff before they can gather too many relics. Yeah. And what that means is that you you gotta you have to fight them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and you you won't want to, but you're gonna have to, which I I kind of love that aspect of them. And also you get you do get um extra points for removing uh relics. Right. Which is pretty cool. Right. Yeah, there's a, there's an incentive to attacking them, even though they're quite a bit more difficult to attack. Yeah. The yeah. Keepers in Iron have a mechanic somewhat similar to the Eerie Dynasties, which is the that decree. The Keepers in Iron have a retinue, which means you have, yeah. like, you can visibly see the actions they have access to. And right. the way they score is always somewhat on, like, a one-turn timer, sort of. Or at least, like, they are projecting what they're going to do next turn, which is why, yeah, they're always kind of immediately predictable. So you know what might be coming up on the next turn versus so many other factions. It's like, well, we need to do something about them because the uncertainty is killing me. This one, it's like, well, if we need to handle them, we can. If we don't handle them, it becomes extraordinarily difficult to stop them is is kind of my vibe on it. I, I think right. they're significantly harder to learn because what they are doing is so different than like the standard 
brute factions goals like this moving around of relics and stuff i think your first couple games are really tricky to like understand why you're doing what you're doing that's how i've vibed with them at least it's just like i start up the game i read all the stuff and i'm like okay i read that what do i want to actually do though like should i just go whole hog on trying to find these relics or do i need to like sort of set up positions and go for it first it, it, i think it takes some time and this was true in garrick's tournament this last year too it, like in the prelims marauder was a pretty new expansion like at the start of this tournament mm-hmm. and i saw I mean, I, I don't have the statistics right in front of me. Uh, Lily G, of course, collected all the numbers. But at least in the games I played, every time Keepers and Irons showed up in a draft, nobody picked them. Nobody wanted right. to pick them, at least. They were, like, towards the back of the pack. Everyone was avoiding them and going for old, reliable factions they know over right. this somewhat confusing uh, new thing. Obviously, that's going to continue to change over time. But I still feel like we're kind of in the immediate aftermath of Marauder, where... This is a bit of a scary faction still. I I really don't understand why. I, I've yeah. I've played them several times now. Every time I really enjoy it. Um I do not feel like I've mastered them. Um I don't recall if I've ever won a game as them. I don't mm-hmm. think I have, or at least if I did, it was um from play testing and they were probably different. a very different faction at that yeah. point. Um they went through several incarnations with like different names and et, right. et cetera, et cetera. Um but yeah, what, one rule that I think is really interesting about them that, that no other faction really has to deal with is um, they are hard limited to only having um, four, like they can, they can basically, well, they can have more than four warriors in a single clearing, but they have to remove one of their warriors if they're in a clearing with more than four. Oh, wow. Which yeah. I, I think is an interesting dynamic. Right. It, it prevents them from like clustering and playing like way too defensive, which is something that like, because the integers in root are so low, yeah. there's always that moment where like somebody has like, oh, I have like all 10 of my warriors in a single clearing. And it's like, yeah, that's like ultimate defense there. Um, and there's no way around it, basically. Yeah, they have these hard limits kind of invoked upon them. Um, also add to that, uh, I, I, I could not express to you uh, in detail how this works, but there's a lot of really weird trickery with the keepers and iron in terms of how they are allowed to move and what the, you can soft lock the keepers and iron in really specific ways totally. yeah. uh, with the corvids and with whatever all the various mechanics that like prevent someone from moving will actually completely destroy keepers and iron games. So my fear is with com- super competitive play keepers and iron have to like keep their head on a swivel and make sure no one they can never leave themselves open to that like opportunity i don't think it's like it's not excruciatingly easy to accomplish but they can never stretch their neck out too far because if they do they can literally have their entire game locked up so uh uh just a really specific faction to me that is like maybe they lack some of the like dynamics and like multiple opportunities at scoring that other factions do that's kind of my feeling mm-hmm. on them is like you're mm-hmm. doing your one thing they feel fairly one note similar to um i don't know like a maybe even um not a vagabond like because vagabond actually has other scoring opportunities you just don't use any of them but like they just feel so sort of shoehorned into their one thing even though that one thing is really good i think i've seen them compared to lizards where lizards still struggle and like have difficulty right. accomplishing their thing and they have to do kind of that one thing whereas keepers like do their one thing and generally speaking accomplish it so yeah i i, I wonder how much that's going to shift over time for them but 
the biggest thing is this expansion very specifically adding two sort of war mongery factions mm-hmm. uh and both that contributes in a very very important way because the other thing that we have added to the marauder expansion is a new way to set up the game a new drafting right. mechanism entirely yeah. Yeah. which uh we will get into that and so many of the other things that are like new about how to play competitive route these days and what to do if you want to get into competitive route let's talk about all of that right after a quick break from the people we're talking about let's hear about leader games for a second what do you say Welcome back. Hello. Um, so, as promised, kind of a hilarious week for an ad. Yeah, Matt. very kind funny week for an ad. Yeah, for us, I, I can't. Uh, I, I don't have an ability to just like flag an episode. I guess I could. Uh, whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, Listen, we there's were, the, the ad, ad part, and then there's us talking about the game, and that's different. It is okay? different. It is different. Uh, so the you biggest. You know what? I'll say it right now. Game sucks. Hate this game. <laughs> game blows. There Look we go. at that. Equalize I'm, the pressure a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We are a balanced what, and fair critiquing review <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we really care about our credibility. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, if anything, the biggest addition to Root, the Marauder expansion. Yeah, my is favorite addition. This small it. little deck of cards. Just, it's like, it's, I mean, it's one, it's one deck, one card for every faction. It's called Advanced Setup. If you're yep. out there on the discords, you might see people just refer to it as Adset, A-D-S-E-E-T. And um, Adset is sort of an evolution of the plus one pool draft method that we used in our first tournament it was developed by some diehard root fans uh garrick bot bot murder she roots all these people helped contribute to this plus one draft pool that cole encouraged us to do like the idea did not come from us exclusively or or even those players exclusively cole was like we're working on draft stuff and so that developed into advanced setup and so there are aspects of it that feel really familiar to the plus one draft pool but uh the idea is this we've taken all of the factions and we have specifically split them into two categories the way this used to be treated is a mechanic called reach and reach Mm -hmm. was an arbitrary set of numbers that tried to say well this faction has kind of this much more board control than this faction and then within reach you would try to hit a certain number to say that game should technically be valid that game should have enough powerhouses on the board that can actually affect each other those numbers were always questionable and the games that they produced were always like i don't know whatever i mean you you can play with any four factions you want in root realistically right but they just they you have to be aware of what you're gonna get on the back end of that Uh, but what advanced setup does is says five of these factions are the 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 mobile uh warmongery factions they are listed as the militant factions so you've got your five militant factions which includes the lord of the hundreds the keepers in iron as well as the underground duchy from the right. underworld expansion and mm-hmm. the marquis de cat and the eerie dynasties so those right. are our five militant factions and basically what advanced setup says is one of those has to be in the game at right. least one must be in the game and then from there 
we can shuffle things around and kind of anything can happen. Um, do we want to like get into sort of the exact specifics of how advanced setup works just to sort of yeah, frame it for people? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I love it so much. And, and I, if there's anything that's going to get you back into playing the game, it's going to be the new factions if you're interested yep. in those. And then also this advanced setup because the advanced setup, I think, cleans up the yes. entire game. It yeah. makes the entire game more worthwhile. The, the hilarious aspect of advanced setup is it also incorporates essentially some rebalancing for some of the weaker factions. Like some of the yes. weaker factions have been specifically improved yep. in how they set up. Corvids yeah. are back. Corvids, Corvids are back. Are in. Buy Lizard Corvid. Cult. Buy Corvid now. Lizard Cult, maybe not. Like Lizard Cult uh, well, is maybe now firmly the worst faction and, and could stand. Everybody's hey, a critic. But hey, all you need is like a new, if we just had a revised advanced setup for lizards they might be fine i don't know there, there might Ooh, an be an advanced advanced setup sure Genius double idea. advanced anyways uh the way advanced setup works is you're not necessarily referring to the backs of your boards anymore no. uh, on your faction sheets you're not you know that used to be just sort of like in release order you set up the factions you know marquise de cat was a and uh you know uh the duchy was like g or something and you just set them yeah, up yeah. in that order um, and that made for just some really weird interactions that always screwed certain factions over. So now advanced setup is like this. Uh, you get some stuff out of the way. You you choose your map. You choose your deck. There's two decks in route these days. If you have bots, you're going to set up bots. Then you randomly determine your seating order and player order. So you determine a first player and you say kind of like, hey, th this is a clockwise order from there of what, uh, what we're going to do things in because that turn order matters for the draft. Then you set up your landmarks and your hirelings, which we'll get into later. But like if you're doing any of these optional mechanics, you set those up real quick. Then the real part of the draft is everyone draws five cards. So everyone gets five cards. You're not going to keep all five of these cards, but you get five cards to sort of make your plans with. At the yeah. end, you're going to keep three of these. So you get to decide your faction based on your starting hand, whereas that used to be essentially just a crapshoot. Like, well, I hope I get the hand the lizards need. Now, right. if you get a good lizards hand and lizards are in the draft, awesome, I can maybe go for a lizard play or whatever. Uh, then the next step is to set up factions. And essentially, this is where you do the thing. You, you, you make sure one red faction, one militant faction is in the game. And then you shuffle up the rest. And then you deal out uh, as many cards as there are players. Um, so the idea being, too, there's a, there's a weird like extra little gimmick to this, which is um, if the final faction in this pool is what they're calling an insurgent faction, a non-red mm -hmm. faction, a gray mm -hmm. faction. You tilt that one to the side, and essentially it can't be first pick. It can't be right. uh, chosen until one of the red factions is picked. That's yeah, the whole idea. Love it. It's basically just to make sure at least one red faction, in fact, makes it into the game. Uh, so from there, you essentially go in reverse turn order, so starting with the last player, they get to pick their faction, right? knowing what the pool is, right? I, I see the number of factions that are sitting out there. I'm going to pick mine, and then I immediately set it up. So going earlier in the turn order means you get first pick of what could maybe be like, oh, this is objectively the best faction or whatever. You get the good faction that you want based on your hand. You just get first dibs. But everyone else gets to pick based off of your decisions because you do your full setup after you've picked them. So if you're Marquise de Cat, they know exactly where your keep is. They know where you've started the game out. They know what your plan is 
before they have to choose their faction in response to that. So the person going last in advanced setup has all of the information they need, despite having severely reduced to, to no choice in what their faction is going to be or whatever. Right, um, right. So you, you at least get the most information despite having the least options. Yeah, I think that's actually an interesting aspect of it, though, that it, and it can kind of torture you a little bit, right? It, that yeah. you're in this position and then you're like, well okay i guess i'm uh well i guess it would be two that you would have a choice between i made i made it sound confusing in there too uh the, the idea is you've dealt out one faction already and then you deal the the number of players there are the goal right. being one extra faction right if there are four players there will be five factions available in the pool one faction will get left out at the end there so the right. last player still has a choice of two factions i mean i see this as something that you could like play with if you wanted to you you can make your draft as casual as you want right based mm -hmm. on your group but official advanced setup and what tournaments do is one extra faction per player so the last player only has two options but they get to uh know all of the information going into it so then the final step after that is everyone chooses their hands so now now that we all know all of the information about what this game looks like we can pick our starting cards or so we're going to all get rid of two cards we don't discard them we shuffle them straight back into the deck so all right. cards are still available to everyone and then and then we play the board game we play root um so yeah like we said a bunch of new uh, rebalancings hunter you specifically called out corvids who now uh start with an a, a plot token on the board yeah. whereas before i mean basically they made it to where corvids start a turn ahead <laughs> yep, which is exactly. really what corvids needed more than yeah. anything yeah it's um, a very simple solution to uh i would say the problem of the corvids which was just like it taking so long for them to get their point engine going that it was very difficult for a player to pull off although it was not impossible yeah. Um, but yeah, now now it's way easier to imagine someone doing well with Corvids. Yeah. Um, whereas before you had to be some sort of uh, expert. And and honestly, not to not to call out that we saw a lot of really good Corvid play before Advanced Setup came out. Um, and not to call out anyone specifically, but you needed some good luck too. Yeah. Okay. Oh, for it sure. wasn't just you know wasn't yeah. just you could just play it right and then that yeah. was it. You know. Well, and even the best Corvid players pre Advanced Setup, I think, would tell you you need the table to do really specific things not uh -huh. against you to pull things out. like you had to really butter up you needed people. the right pool right yeah. because oh, those, right. The, it, it was really just that you needed the other factions to have like kind of a little bit too much to do yeah so that you could because you're and st this is still true about corvids but now that they can get going faster um it feels like it's less of an issue but like it's a very stoppable momentum yeah uh, if you're focused on it now hopefully right. they're not focused on just you right? yeah yeah um i love categorizing this as advanced setup as well because i think the fear that always happens with something like this uh in a game like root is for for new players obviously your goal is still just to like play the factions that excite you so in right. no way is this draft in intended as the way to everyone needs to play root the, this is mm -hmm. the proper way to play root it's more saying we recognize that this game root exists on such a, a a thin line of any like new the, the reason new players bounce off of root is because they play a couple games and it's like i didn't even understand what so-and-so was doing and they completely right. dominated us they completely yep. crushed us uh root is such a delicate mechanism that the players are in charge of controlling that your first games it really is just like hey you just need to muck about just kind of do your thing experience a few games and, and then right. slowly over time 
you will figure out how these factions have relationships with each other and what that means for all of you as a group, as a cooperative experience where you're right. fighting each other. Right. An advanced setup leans heavily into that and says, from the get-go, you're making decisions that matter. The, right. the, the beauty of advanced setup is you don't even have to be picking for your own sake, right? That person who's going last... The table might look at them and be like, listen, you can't pick the lizard folk here. We need like there's no one currently at this table that's going to be able to hold the Lord of the Hundreds accountable. You have to right. take Marquise de Cat or, or Eerie right. Dynasties or something. Right. Because none of because the rest of us were mean and only picked insurgent factions. And we need one more militant faction just to level the playing field. And that's your right. job. And I love those kinds of uh, choices. But, yeah, it only applies to like your 10th or later game, you, you, you shouldn't be doing advanced setup like right away, um, especially yeah. because, I mean, you should just be playing what's fun to you. The The biggest drawback of advanced setup is you deal out a hand of factions. You have to play those factions. You don't get to play whatever you want to play, right? That's, mm -hmm. I mean, that is a thing, but that's in, in Twilight Imperium, I have tended to to fear that we kind of did that system in this year's tournament where it's like oh this is a it's just like a random pool of factions here you go right, right. Um, but we tried to cultivate them a bit more and in twilight imperium you have a ton of factions and right. what they do to the game changes the game but not like holistically changes the game it doesn't make it doesn't upend the game whereas in root like a particular faction of the game means it's a different game anyways and so realistically, what you're doing in drafting is choosing what kind of game of root you're even going to have. So it makes a lot of sense in roots context in a competitive setting that you need to become good with every faction. Whereas that's mm -hmm. not true with Twilight Imperium. I don't think you have to be good at every single faction to win the tournament. Um, whereas with root, I feel like you need to have a very strong understanding of all 12 factions well, to win a game or I'll, to win I'll, the tournament. I'll say something here. I'll I'll kind of I'll kind of turn this statement that you're making a little bit and say that I think that that root asks you to understand mm -hmm. the other factions. Yes, you don't necessarily have to be good at all of right. them, but you do have to understand how they work. And how they work is not always like well, maybe I should say specifically how how their points work. Because yes, the if there's one thing in root that puts me off a little bit and i and this is the type of thing where it puts me off and i have no idea how else you would do it but <laughs> it's the 30 victory point victory uh -huh. tracker and i think i've said this on the show before but i'm just going to reiterate it here um <laughs> the the way each faction climbs up that 30 point track yeah is just so different right that like one faction on with 12 victory points it means something completely different yeah. than another faction on 12 victory points. Right. Um, and being able to understand like where that faction is kind of basically in their game, where another faction is basically in their game is I think like the most important thing to kind of understand. Right. And in order to understand that you need to basically understand everything about them mechanically. Um, I feel like it's the last, the last component to fall yeah. into your brain is the point tempo thing. Right. Whereas with twilight Imperium, the tempo doesn't vary that much. It, right. it varies a little bit, but it doesn't vary that much from faction to faction. Right. It's more dependent on game state. Right. What and and a lot of times that is influenced by faction. Right. But it's yeah. not entirely dependent yeah. on the faction. Uh, imagine if every faction in Twilight Imperium was 
akin to P.O.K. Winu, where there's just like this hard baked yeah. in different tempo that that we'll faction get gets more to have points. Yeah. Because right. of X thing. And yeah. and if at this position, it's, you know, the closest thing we had to it was pre Codex 3 Extra. Yeah. Where once Extra got to what is it, like six or seven points, yeah. they entered the danger zone. <laughs> where now, well, even though, you know, they might be last at uh-huh. the table, but everyone's going to play being like, oh God, we're in the danger zone. Yeah. As soon as Extra plays the hero, it could be over. Right. You know? Right, yeah, you have to just be careful. And that's how every game of Root is with every single faction. They're just all on different clocks, different timers. So you're keeping everybody in check in a different way. A perfect game of Root does not necessarily mean all players are at 29 points and one person gets to 30, right? Woodland Alliance Mm -hmm. is probably sitting at 17, and you're like, phew, we barely made it. (laughs) Yeah, but 17 is Woodland Alliance is 29. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, It's, 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 it's confusing in that way. Um, have no idea how else it could look like, but no. um, it's it is it is like I think the hardest thing about playing root competitively, yep. and also it can be confusing for spectators, right? Yes. I've seen spectators be like, "Why are we talking about so and so? They're in yeah. last place," and it's like they're not in last place. Yeah. They're like they're a turn away from winning this game. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. But <laughs> you gotta you you gotta explain the whole what their turn is gonna look like in its entirety, which yeah. means you have to be able to understand mechanically what they even do on a turn and how many points they can score. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So um, to you these days, Hunter, uh, what is what is the root competitive scene? Obviously, I mean, I'd love, you know, we'll probably have Garrick and Lily on again sometime soon or anybody from Woodland War Machine or all these different people. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd love to hear more from them because they're all more tuned into like, I mean, specifically Garrick did what what we do with our tournament. Garrick watched <laughs> tens and tens you know dozens of games of root and is now well versed in in messed what it really up. means but it's yeah it's, it's not it's not okay what what these Didn't people do to themselves anything yeah. <laughs> um uh says the people that <laughs> do didn't that. watch people do it for 14 hours or whatever but yeah. um but the major sympathy and i understand garrett yeah. yeah um what does it look like for me it looks like this i asked some people to play root with me they agree i found out one of them uh, is really good at the game and then they win and i lose um <laughs> i am not, i'm not good at root anymore yeah um i, I am a learner uh, uh once again yeah um there i had a good run uh around when underworld had had come out yeah of uh getting to know this game pretty well and being uh pretty adept at it and uh you know i i feel like i'd win like i don't know every once in a while not sure. not not back to back but i i was i was doing okay nowadays it's like i i really this episode if it's about anything it's about the idea that we're like let's play some more root like yeah. i would love to play some root yep. and get and get back to the point where sure. i know what is going on yeah my game. my games in garrick's tournament i think were defined by I was just talking as much as possible to obfuscate that I didn't know what was going. Like I'm trying to get the table to talk about all the paths because I can't clearly delineate what I need to be going for. So it's like, well, I'm feeling like I'm in this position and this is happening. So what do we think gang? Like who's, who needs to get dogpiled? Cause I can't see the forest through the trees. And I don't know. I cannot tell. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very much, uh, very much like that. Um, so, you know, if there's any listeners, uh, that would like to play some root, uh, please let me know. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to make some time in my weekly game diet, uh, 
yeah or um root and also uh gonna be playing some arcs and yeah. uh maybe even some ahoy boy uh, so there's gonna yeah. be some, some leader cow. game stuff uh in in the future yeah uh, i'm yeah. talking like we're at the end of this episode we are not no i want to cover some stuff here uh this won't actually be that chunky even though there's like a lot of things to talk about but we've been talking a bunch about competitive scene and how much better it got and like that's definitively true like root marauder expansion was a gift to the competitive roots it's my it was this i, I want to say this yeah it's my favorite expansion that they've done yes i think the things that it works hands on down are the things that i'm like yeah, like this is what the, you know it's like i don't want to down talk anything in order to up talk anything but like we got a new deck of cards yeah that was great um that was a huge improvement uh we got some new maps that's good for variety right. not necessarily like yeah not necessarily necessary. I could play just autumn and winter forever. I mean, yep. I definitely. I mean, of course, as a as a good little consumer, I want to suggest that Leader Games create one hundred thousand maps for me to play Root on, and they're all play tested. They're all perfect. But you know what I mean. I, I could have lived yeah. my Root life without extra maps. Um, advanced setup to me feels more vital, or yeah. maybe perhaps I should say as vital as the Exiles and Partisans deck yeah. feels. And that that base game deck wasn't right. good enough. And I feel like they recognized it and they were like, here's this new deck. It's new right. and improved. Yeah. Um, advanced setup is on that level or perhaps even above yeah. it. And, and honestly, too, uh, the addition of specifically two militant factions in it is a pretty important factor because yeah. that was the thing over time. It wasn't realized till later, but over time it was realized that, boy, this game really hinges on these militant factions. Yep. And it's fine that it is balanced that way, that you must require a militant faction. But then it just became a thing of like, so we got, I got to play cats or birds every single right. game, well, cats, no matter cats, what. Birds, moles. Well, exactly. Well, and, and, and I'm saying even Dutchy, you know, un Underworld is the second expansion. It's a while before we even had that. And right. we were like, okay, thank God we have a little bit more variety. Because yep. even at that time, it was like, you need birds, cats, birds, moles, or moles cats you kind of right. need two of them you yeah, don't really be something like that but yeah, 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 yeah but every game was defined by those three factions and so having five and really only needing one and sort of accepting mm -hmm. that has i think opened the game up to like truly endless possibilities yeah um, um so yeah <laughs> uh, i think that from now on they could probably do a pace of because they did this double militant yeah uh, expansion they could probably keep the pace up with one militant, one not yeah. militant. Right. Uh, and, and it would still feel really, really good. Yeah. Um, and which, I mean, I think, I think they're close great. to done anyways. I mean, every time we talk to Cole, they have a, a new number. They're like, no, nah, we're done with factions. And then they're like, oh, we could do like four more. And then they're like, no, nah, two more, maybe. And so they're all over the map. But they're going to do more. They're going to do more. You yeah. know it. They're going to yeah. keep their. <laughs> listen, listen, they they got more in them. It's just hard to know where the next step yeah. is, you know? Um. But what I want to talk up for a second is what's really been enticing me and really has always enticed me about Root. Um, if you listen to our earlier episodes, the thing we talked the most about is how fun Root is to learn um, just mm -hmm. in that experience. Have a group of four people and all four of you don't know how it works and you all learn together and you bounce off each other and you sort of have this casual co-op experience. That stuff is better than ever too. Um, kind of somewhat with the Marauder expansion, but also all the other stuff that's out there. Um, right. So I wanted to kind of prep people on what uh, what it looks like to have a complete collection of root and what that means and why you might or might not want that. Um, so just to finish off 
uh, what is in Marauder, the last thing that was added is hirelings, which we haven't talked about at all, but that's mostly because hirelings are certainly regarded as more casual fare. Um, it's not yeah. really designed for competitive games necessarily, although the big argument is hirelings are a great way to improve the 1v1 experience of mm-hmm. Root. Um, maybe even the three-player experience of Root. Um, I've heard back and forth on that, of whether or not people like hirelings with three players. Um, I played a hilarious game with hirelings where Sean and I were both vagabonds and then we filled up as many hirelings in the game as we could. It didn't work very well. It was pretty goofy and stupid, but that is very often the most fun I have with Root yeah. is, yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously I have fun with the crunchy, highly mechanical, very competitive stuff, but I just have goofy, stupid fun with all the extra stuff. Totally. So the the hirelings that are included with the Marauder expansion are just the base game for factions, right? Your Woodland Alliance, your Eerie, your uh, uh, Cats, and your Vagabond. And the way Hirelings work is it's quite simple. They're just these small little cards, and they come up with they come with their own meeples, and you they they are positioned on the board. Uh, but they kind of just exist there until you and the other players hit certain benchmarks. And then at those benchmarks, you start taking control of these factions. So they're, they're, they're these delayed things. Think of them like exploration in Twilight Imperium. Nobody mm-hmm. starts with any hirelings. But the first person to get to four points gets to claim a hireling. And then they're on a timer. That hireling will go away from them after a set amount of time and go it. to somebody else. Yeah. And then you do it again at eight and at 12 points, you, you gain control of these hirelings and they just become new little abilities to have on the table. There, there are two different varieties of each faction, basically like a small and a big version. Um, we won't get into all of that, but you start with the four and then you can essentially buy the two river folk hireling factions. You can buy the two, uh, underworld factions. You can buy the two, uh, marauder factions and then with each of those bigger sets are these awesome pink ones which are actually the best most flavorful stuff we've ever gotten in root uh like the band there's just a band now this street band or also known as the popular band they literally walk around and like entice people to come sit down at their campfire and play with them uh it it, like forces people into their clearings it's hilarious there's this huge deer that's the stoic protector and he's like the guardian of the wood there's just so much flavor in these yeah, little cards yeah. that your game of root turns into this massively more storytelling experience. And I yeah. can't talk them up enough because that is like what I'm investing most of my time in right now is learning hirelings and wanting to play more and more games with hirelings and just explore what all is going on in there. Um, yeah. But, but to, uh, to quickly get into like everything else you can do with your root to, to just get really weird because we just, I feel like it's been so long since we've talked about all this and like, in the competitive scene, it's really easy to just like log on to TTS and like play it. But I feel like people have lost the plot on what it means to like buy all the root stuff. So I have this big stupid plastic box that I keep all of my root stuff in. Just like I have a big stupid plastic box I keep all my TI stuff in with all my separate containers. And I now have everything there is to have mechanically for root. I don't have all there's right. there's like extra really just cool looking stuff that you can get as well. And I don't have all that yet, but. The other stuff that you you can get access to is, first and foremost, as we've already talked about, there's two other expansions outside of Marauder, right? You, you, at this point, we hope you would have Riverfolk and Underworld, and those bring all the factions themselves. So if you want a complete set, first and foremost, you need all of the factions. So that adds Lizard Cult, Riverfolk, Underground Duchy, Corv Conspiracy, and then the two new ones from Marauder. Um, in the Riverfolk expansion, you can get a, an attempt at 
the co-op or single player experience for Root, which was at the time the Mechanical Marquis. I do not recommend the Mechanical Marquis as a thing. You're going to get Riverfolk yeah. and you're going to kind of toss that sheet aside. It was a fun attempt, but even by Leader Games' own admission, it's all right. But they released two things later called the Clockwork expansions. There's two of them now. And those are full sets of four factions each that are in the same design. It is a robot version of a faction that is meant to be played by the table. Like we all just sort of let the thing do itself. And it is essentially a way to either play a single player version of Root or, you know, two of you can play against a robot. You can even play for one of you to win the game or you can literally play a co-op version where the two of you are just trying to outpace your robots. And there's like a million extra settings in the Clockwork expansions where you get a ton of cards and you can constantly adapt. If you smoke a robot, you can up the difficulty on the robot and you can give them new abilities that make them harder and harder and harder. So there's like a maximum setting you could set everything to if you wanted to with Clockwork. Uh, I highly suggest people go check out a YouTube channel called Give Pause Hobby. Uh, they do amazing stuff with clockwork. Like they are like the clockwork focused <laughs> channel and you can watch <laughs> them just try to solve the puzzle, right? And learn about the puzzle and learn how to play clockwork. And uh, I just can't, can't recommend it enough uh, to people who want to learn about that aspect of it. That's like the most casual side of root. I would say is, is just like, I literally just want to play like a co-op game or whatever. I don't um, know how casual it is though. Cause I've played it's one hard games yeah. and it was really hard. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I'm not really sure. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It's, it's a different type of, it's not really like competitive, right? Mm -hmm. Like you wouldn't have a clockwork tournament. Right. Um, but I don't know. It's would chunky. You? Would you, could you, hmm. Yeah, you're looking at me like, Matt, you're looking at me like you want to do a clockwork tournament. Which I want to do. Bizarre. I don't know what I want to do. A uh, clockwork tournament would be weird. I would love. I would love um, to do a one v one tournament, though. I'll say that much. Like a hireling included one v one tournament. There's. I think there's space for that these days, and I, I would be interested to see what that could look like. Um, let's there's do so it. much. Let's, yeah. Let's like Garrick's got the exactly. regular root tournament. We have, a, we have this new problem, Hunter, where you and I have to figure out where we belong in the root community. You got Bot Bot and Slugface Killer out there doing like really insane homebrew stuff. Uh, their their streams are insane. You got to go watch Weird Root. Uh, and then you got Garrick with the like hard mathy stuff. You got Give Pause Hobby with the the mechanical. Uh, clockwork stuff we have to find some new space to occupy in the very rich tapestry of root media and whatnot um the the other thing to so we talked about hirelings we've talked about clockwork uh the expansions themselves obviously add uh the riverfolk expansion adds more vagabonds but you can also get a specific vagabond pack that comes with meeples for every vagabond type as well as three additional new vagabonds there's nine vagabonds you can play as at this point um so if you want all of them um you have to go to the leader games shop to find all this extra stuff because it's not they're not selling big huge holistic expansions it's like a lot of sampler platter stuff so you make of it what you will uh within sort of the grander scheme again like we said underworld comes with the new uh map so if you want two maps underworld is the place to acquire that um there's also actually though you you could just buy the map itself in uh in a very different format which is they have like a neoprene playing mat and you mm -hmm. can just get that version of the map if you like for some reason don't want underworld but you probably should want underworld the last thing though that i wanted to talk about for casual root is the one that i feel like has a lot of room for very fun stuff to happen even though it's an incredibly small mechanic it's called landmarks 
you can get these landmarks this this landmark set uh and it's just think of landmarks like in in the other expansions we already had the tower and the ferry right on the right, mountain right and on the uh lake map it came with these extra components of like use this to like do a whatever thing those two pieces are no longer tied to those maps and you can even like take them away from those maps as you want i think lake map you would still require it but you really don't need the tower on the mountain anymore you can use any of these landmarks and all the landmarks just apply new rules to a specific territory on the Love board it. um Love and there some of them are very uh, the one that garrick used if you watch any of garrick's tournament they took out the tower and put in the lost city the lost city turns one clearing into a clearing with all three traits so it is yes. equal parts fox rabbit and mouse clearing and you can do anything in that clearing and they put it in the center of the map so it's this like ridiculous oh my gosh this is always having stuff going on there because everybody can interact with it at all moments you've got like a black market uh where uh there <laughs> it's a very weird card where there's three cards and uh you get to like sneak a card out from it every turn you just have access to the black market and you can cycle a card out from it so people just never necessarily know what's in your hand even if they've like seen your other cards i don't know there's a lot of fun goofy stuff in this and the way i think about root now is i sit down to play with a friend sean and i had this experience not too long ago and it was like well what do we want to do let's both play vagabonds let's put in two landmarks let's do three of the hirelings and let's throw in a bot as well so that we have like a third faction we're playing against because you're not really playing against the hirelings, but like you can craft these insane little setups that are just like what kind of vibe do you want to hang out with for this game and i just think what they've introduced is this idea that there's like a million new kinds of puzzles that you can solve within root right. like it's it's right. it is clearly way too much stuff that is in root if you're willing to do that kind of stuff again it's not for everybody so really what i'm saying to everyone is if you really just want the competitive root experience you know what you need you, you just need all the factions and like exiles and partisans deck and that's like it right to, to be right. really invested in competitive route but there's this whole other iceberg of stuff to get up to if you don't care so much about like the tournament scene and you just want to goof around and yeah. i think the spirit of root lends itself to goofing a lot and that is yeah. certainly where my head is at with root is a lot more goofy stuff i want to just do weird streams with not even not as weird as as bot bot and them with your homebrew what's right it's like <laughs> they've it's put like cases yeah they've done this this really genius thing of like they're sort of uh let me phrase this carefully because <laughs> it's it's sort of like it's like they're doing their own they're 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 making game components that are like occupying that space that like a normal homebrew yes. scene would occupy which right. is like Oh, you want to play the game like this? We made a way to play it like this. Yeah. Which, generally speaking, in a lot of games that people are big fans of, uh, the players will just make up that stuff on their right. own. The leader right. games is like, no, we want to provide you with this stuff. And guess <laughs> what? Uh, the one thing we didn't say about hirelings, the meeples you get for buying oh the God. hirelings box <laughs> is so insane. They're like the best meeples I've ever seen. They're like yeah. literally my favorite meeples. Okay. So... Do do that if you're yeah. interested in hirelings. You gotta buy that box. It's so, yeah. it's so good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it. They're they're doing this thing of occupying the space of remixing their own games 
Yeah. Um, which is fun because then it kind of frees the homebrew scene to go to be like, well, we're going to go completely insane. Yeah. <laughs> None of this is going to be, you know, your practical normal route. It's yeah. going to be crazy route. Okay. And that's literally, you know, that that's, that's why it feels that way. And I, I love that. I love yeah. that that route has all of this, uh, this, this just, you know, all these options you can just go through. Uh, and experience all the different shades of this game that are now available to you. Um, it's it's beautiful, and I yeah. and I love where this game has gotten. And I'm sad it's been so long since we've talked about it. I know, it. yeah. Um, but it's you know I think we're um, we're going to be looking for maybe new ways to contextualize. Yes. Me and Matt talking about a game that isn't Twilight Imperium. Um, yes. We're going to be maybe exploring that. Um, while still giving you as much Twilight Imperium as you have grown to expect from us, we want to find out how to give you other stuff too. Yeah, you know. Yeah, we're both interested in other stuff while still being as interested in TI as we ever can, and we're just trying to explore how much bandwidth we can have. It's just about making sure we have the the room to do it all. Uh, so right. yeah, I'm 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 just so stoked. I I can't stop thinking about uh root and ahoy uh recently uh because uh, i think the asymmetric thing is the one thing ti lacks yeah. um in, in terms yeah. of it's like actual overarching how it feels to play it and so it's always a good um break from ti that, that it's it, it always remains true that those are the games i want to return to i'm i'm the kind of person who doesn't have a massive collection anyways i'm just not going to to do that yeah, yeah, yeah. but it also just always comes down to like this is always what feels comfortable to return to and i'm never wanting for more between essentially these two games although i think there's some room for for a few more for me that i'm, I'm interested to get into which we'll, yeah. we'll talk well, i mean about. we're we're obsessive weirdos. Yeah. That's, I mean, if there's anything you figured out about us <laughs> in these last couple of years that we've been doing this, it's that uh, we tend to uh, think a lot about one thing, probably too much. <laughs> and it could be because we're like dumb. And so it takes us a long yeah. time to get a big thought in there. Yeah. You know, so we just like to take the time to yeah. do it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I, I got to thank the audience every day yeah. um, that, that y'all have given us the opportunity to really dig down yeah. uh, deep into the stuff into and the uh, stuff. it's great. Yeah. I'll, I'll thank some specifically. You know what? I think I'll do that right now. I think I'll thank my weird bears. Big Al Cappuccino, Squeamish, Emu, Brassbird, Brian, Kaluan, Dark Jutsu, Goonduck, Cardinal, Necro Dies Twice, Totally Calculating Poet, Kindred Spirit, Lord Raddington, Bagels, M. Leshevsky, Sunfax, Absol, Privix, Ricky, M44, Rys, and Wecker, and Mama's Lovely Larva. My son is also named Bort, Nerf, Zerg, Baldrick, Tautology, Is What It Is, Frank G, Rekka, Jadim, Jedi, General Pith, Uncle Baddie, Savant, and Teddy's Jam for you. Hey, what's up, Homebrewers Guild? Uh, we're in sort of <laughs> he, he a still weird. <laughs> no, I, I, we both had the pause. Uh, it is open season month for Homebrewers Guild. Uh, I just want people throwing ideas out there. I'm kind of a, of a of a mindset that I'll try anything. If you've got like a complete package that you want to do a game for, let's do it and let's see where we get at the end of the month. I'm gonna start getting into that channel and just scheduling a stream every week or so it'll probably end up being every other week i get really ambitious and then i disappoint people and then i'm like oh i feel really bad that i disappointed all you and didn't do seven oh, seven this games is a great cycle a week. though this will yeah. this will keep you working exactly you know what i mean yeah. it's, it's the cycle of shame <laughs> I know. Um, the, the cycle of regret um galactic counselors uh it is a new month uh we have not delivered you your your super galactic council episode for this month that is coming at the end of this current month yes but 
in order to keep things on schedule, you're going to get the poll a month ahead. That's going to be the new the new schedule. So vote now for which of these topics you would like us to cover in the October Super Galactic Council episode. Yeesh. So here are the available topics. Um, I took the second place topic from last month's poll um, because it was very, very close. So your first option is that we homebrew a Twilight Imperium scenario. Perhaps even, uh, Matt, you just got done saying that the thing TI doesn't have is <sighs> asymmetrical gameplay. Uh, maybe we homebrew one. Huh? <laughs> maybe we come up with a scenario that is uh, asymmetrical. That'd be pretty cool. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's that one. Second option, we play some more of the alliance mode that we have not really covered that much in depth mm -hmm. um we did one stream uh we played one time uh we played a as a team uh as i played as titans and you play or no you i played as arborek and you played yes. as titans That's right. uh it was a it was a great pairing it was hilarious um so we could play more of that and report more uh back on how we feel about that game now or, or that way to play it i should say yeah. um your third option is a really goofy one um, we're calling this uh, return Matt and Hunter return to Axis and Allies. <laughs> so we go back to the very beginning for us in our journey and play some Axis and Allies. I've put this on a poll before. It's never gotten it. Um, I don't expect to get it this month, but maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, if you want to hear us talk about Axis and Allies and play it, yeah. I don't even know what I mean by Axis and Allies at this point. Whatever right. version of the game makes sense to us, yeah. we get that, we play it, I, here's we what tell I know. you about it. I bought uh, the 1941 edition a, a while ago, like mm -hmm. post Space Cats, but like two years ago, I bought 1941, have never touched it. Oh. Not once. So Maybe that needs time. to change. <laughs> but I also want to return to the double up 1940 Pacific in Europe, the big board. I would Ooh. maybe do two games of Axis and Allies for this thing just so I can re-experience 1940, which yep. I think strategically is sort of broken. <laughs> there are just clearly better things to do. But I think 19, uh, my, my take on it is 1941 is supposed to be the shorter and better balanced version. Um, so I don't know. We'll, and we'll see. We'll see if that's even true. We'll do the research. We'll find out. This will be a deep dive back into Axis and Allies. Right. Um, and then your fourth option is this is the breeziest one for me and Matt uh, because we played this game at Gen Con and loved it and would yeah. easily play more. Um, we play and sort of review, I would say more like overview, yeah. Ahoy, the new game uh, from Leader Games. Uh, it is essentially a lighter version of root yeah um it's asymmetrical it's very very fun the rules are great um yeah. i just yeah i i i loved the time uh that i spent with it um and could easily uh yeah. put a whole bunch more hours into that game well and the thing about it is it's build as lighter than root which is like technically true just to learn to get up and running it's quicker yeah. to learn than root yeah but I still don't know that it is strategically any lighter. There, there no. is a richness that I'm feeling. I'm tasting. I have on the tip of You're my tongue. I'm tasting the richness, and I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to investigate it further to see how deep that richness goes. Because I think even from like down to just like how you place a map tile in that game is like a critically important decision. And I want right. to, I want to see what, what goes on there. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm excited about all four of these options. You literally can't pick a bad one. So yep. in no way will you be trolling us. If you pick any of these options, I win no matter what this month. Yeah.
triumph. That's the best thing about October. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So you, you are not going to beat us uh, in any way. Um, And we already have a solution for ties. So if you try that, you're doomed anyway. So good luck trying to defeat us. Galactic council turns out we're all buddies forever, even if we're not. And I won't even notice. Okay. Hey, you, you can go. also rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to us. Give us a five-star rating. It helps improve algorithm stuff because that's what we, we're all becoming computers and algorithms rule all. You can find more information about our Patreon, our Twitter, our Discord, our merchandise, all of that business on SpaceCatsPeaceTurtles.com. And there it is. There's your root episode uh, we, yeah. I, I do not feel like this is like the last one for a while. We owe you guides on these two new factions. I want to talk about all the hirelings. I want to do some root stuff. So th- t- to me, this is a beginning again episode for root. I don't have yep. a timeline attached to that, nope. but no I, I have a desire to play more root that will then of course, follow up with episodes. So, yeah. so there you go. And, and if you are, um, disappointed at the lack of twilight Imperium this week, I want to go ahead and let you know next week we got a hot piping extra guide coming mm-hmm. at you. The super extra guide is ready. I pause it. There's no way. There are people that are that I have not caught up yet because they're still listening to action cards episode. Yeah, There's yeah, people yeah. with aren't the commute. Li- aren't that- you just still listening to that episode? Don't don't talk to me about not enough TI content. You're How dare you? <laughs> that you already listened to that whole action card episode last week. Uh-uh. Really? No I'm not way. even going to buy that. If somebody yeah. po- if somebody hops into the episode channel and is like, oh, not enough TI lately. I'm just going to be like, you haven't been. It's like, dude, you're trying to move on to dessert. You haven't even finished your supper yet. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles. Thank you to all our patrons, and thank you to Brian Capillus for the use of his music. You can find more at wanderinglake.bandcamp.com. Mm-hmm.